Max, why don't you put that on? And uh, that's, that's cool, cool Max. I need to get, I need to get one of those. I like that. I mean, I mean, uh, so I need to put your preach in that. And then you got a shield. And uh, that's pretty cool right there. I like that. All right. So maybe I'll get one of those for next week. Hey, uh, let's continue with this uh, this series that I'm conducting on the blessing of the Lord. And we started it last, last Sunday, and we'll be on it for a couple more sessions. Uh, but, uh, you know, God wants to bless and has blessed all of us. And uh, we need to understand that he is a blesser. And that is his nature. That's what he does. And, uh, you know, there's a verse in the Bible that says God takes pleasure at the prosperity of his servant. And so, so right in that verse, you can see that, that God is a blesser. And that when we walk in his blessing, that he takes great pleasure in that. He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And so, of course... Uh, you know, in the Bible, we see the blessing of God. And, and last week, I gave you several definitions for the blessing of the Lord. But uh, I guess the one that, that I like the best is the empowerment to prosper in every area of your life. The empowerment to prosper in every area of your life. Spirit, soul, and body, materially, socially, every area. And then I also brought out to you that... Uh, in, in the Bible, we see the blessing of the Lord, but there's also something that runs parallel to the blessing of the Lord, and it's the curse. And, uh, you know, a lot of folks want to just talk about the blessing, but there is a curse. And we, we looked at that last week, and uh, we'll in fact read another verse on it here, just a review verse here that we looked at last week. But... Uh, Remember, the curse is just opposite of the blessing. And I guess if you want to just, the, the most simple definition, blessing is good, and cursing is bad. And of course, if, brought this out last week, if you walk in obedience to God, then you'll, there's blessing that goes with that. But if you do not walk in obedience to the Lord, then there's a curse. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And so, uh, in fact, we read a verse last week that brought that out. If we, if we live in accordance to God's word, then we'll walk in blessing. And if we disobey his word, then there's a curse. Now, look at Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. Uh, we looked at this one last week, but it's, it's something that uh, we're using here as our, one of our main uh, verses for this series. Moses speaking, you know, to the children of Israel and really talking on behalf of, of God. And he says this, he says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. See, there it is. Remember last week we looked at those two mountains? Remember that? One was a mountain of blessing and one was a mountain of cursing, remember? Yes. Right. And uh, one was uh, Mount Gerizim was a mountain of blessing and Mount Ebal the blessed of the one was a mountain of blessing that was not Gerizim, and the other was a mountain of cursing that was not Ebal. Remember, that was a good illustration. Wasn't it last week that we looked at that blessing and cursing run, run parallel in Scripture? But right here, uh, the Bible tells us that, that 
God has set before us life and death, blessing and cursing. And then the Lord gives us a very helpful hint. He tells us that we need to choose what? We need to choose life. life that both you and your seed may live. So set before all of us, you, me, everybody, what's set before all of us is life and death, blessing and cursing. But it's up to us, and notice this, it's up to us which we walk in. It's up to us which we walk in. What are you going to choose? He tells us to choose life, choose blessing. And then, uh, in fact, uh, go to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. Again, I brought this out last week, but it bears repetition. It's one of the greatest verses in the Bible on blessing. Uh it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Amen. And, and it's interesting, at least in my study, my observation, as you go through the Old Testament, it looks as though to me that the people of the Old Testament were all trying to get the blessing of God. Okay? And, uh, and of course, God blessed them. All of that, but it seems like there they were they wanted to get the blessing. But we move over into the New Testament, and after Jesus died on the cross, was raised from the dead. Now, notice the blessing is in the past tense. It's not something that we have to strive to get. It's something that we already have in Christ. And notice, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. See that's. Something that's already occurred. When we receive Jesus, then, then we're blessed. He has blessed us, and notice here, with all spiritual blessing. In heavenly places, or in Christ. But you know, you know, a lot of folks want the material blessing. They want the material things, you know, money and that sort of thing. And of course, money is part of the blessing, but money shouldn't be the main thing we focus on. But the blessing of the Lord will produce money, it will produce finances, it will produce material prosperity. But remember I said this to you last week, it bears repetition, you can have all the money in the world, but if you're on your way to hell, that's not being rich, is it? No. Absolutely not. Or you can have all the money in the world and, 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 and be sick and, and in body or whatever, that, that's, you know, that's not prosperity. But, uh, but notice he says, with all spiritual blessings, in heavenly places, in Christ. Notice the spiritual, remember, let me tell you this, things start in the spirit realm. Things start in the spirit realm. So if you get blessed spiritually, guess what? That's going to work its way out into every area of your life, into your physical body, and you'll be well, okay? It'll work its way into your pocketbook, and you'll have money in your pocketbook, okay? So, so we need to realize that God blesses us from the inside out. And uh, you just need to be aware of that. So, so once you receive Jesus, the, the spiritual blessing of God is on the inside of you. And then it works its way out, outward, and it blesses you. I mean, the, the spiritual blessing is a new birth. You're going to miss hell and make heaven. But then after that, it works its way into every area of your life, into your, into your soul, your, your mind, into your body, to be well, and, and in your family. It'll bless your family, the spiritual blessing of the Lord. It, it'll bless you in every 
in every way. It bless your pocketbook, as I said. And uh, uh, although we don't stress the, 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 the financial blessing, but, but yet, what did, again, this bears repetition, what did Jimmy Stewart tell Clarence about money? Clarence said, you know, we don't use money in heaven. Jimmy Stewart said, what, comes in So, But this blessing will bless you in every area of your life, all right? Now, notice here in Proverbs 10, verse 22, Proverbs 10, verse 22, again, we looked at this last week, but repetition is the seed of learning, and, and uh, it just does us good to look at some of these again and again and again. Proverbs 10, verse 22, the blessing of the Lord, now what does it do? It makes what? It makes rich. rich. Remember, rich just means an abundant supply. Don't just think money. But we just talked about spirit, soul, body. I mean, this blessing of the Lord will make you rich in every area of your life. And notice the blessing of the Lord, no sorrow will be added with it. So that's a good deal right there. That's a blessing in and of itself. Uh, you know, there's a lot of folks in the world that have a whole lot of money, but they also have a whole lot of sorrow with it. Don't they? But the blessing of the Lord will bless you in every area, including money, and there'll be no sorrow added with it. And I want to read from my notes uh, again. One is not rich because they have money and great possessions, but rather one is rich because they have God. Amen. Be mistaken, Amen. And then also, a true, something I've observed in my life, a truly rich person is a humble person. And a humble person enjoys money and possessions, but will not emphasize them. In other words, won't be talking about how much money they have all the time, or how big their house is, or how many cars they've got, or whatever the case. Nothing wrong with having those things, but I just don't think that's where the emphasis ought to be. And a truly rich person won't put the emphasis on the, on the material things. They'll enjoy them. God wants you to be blessed financially, but, but won't, uh, a, real, a really blessed, rich person won't put emphasis on that. You okay with that? You all right, man? Yes. Now go to Job. Let's go to the book of Job. Now, we, we looked at uh, the blessing of Abraham last week, so we'll not look at that again, obviously. But I, I, I want to move on, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and so on. But, but I, I, I didn't want to overlook Job. So we'll, we're going to look at him, and then I believe we're going to get to Isaac and Jacob here today in this session. But... Uh, I covered Job in one of my uh, internet sessions, but I didn't cover it in here with you, so we'll just look at it again real quick. Job, you all know who Job was. And notice in Job chapter 1, verse 1, this, these are in the King James Version here. Uh, there was a man in the land of Uz. I was thinking about Oz there. The wisdom. <laughs> yeah. In the land of Uz, his name was Job. And have you ever heard anybody pronounce that job? His name was John. His name was Job. Now watch this. And that man was perfect and upright, and one that, notice, feared God and eschewed, that means shunned, he shunned evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His, now watch this. His substance was also 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500, and we won't read that in King James, female donkeys, a very great household. You see, he's blessed, isn't he? Yes. And he's blessed. Not only with financial things, when it's talking about those animals, but he was blessed with his children also, wasn't he? Yep. 
and a very great household. And so that this man was the greatest or the richest man in all the East. Now, I mean, we can conclude that, that he's very blessed. He's very blessed. Now notice verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Now that all the angels came and presented themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. And I'm not going to get into why that is, but apparently the devil had some sort of access to the Lord. In verse 7, And the Lord said to Satan, Whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that fears God and shuns evil. And now, now notice, you see, Job is a person that fears God and shuns evil. Now, he's, he, he qualifies for the blessing of the Lord, doesn't he? Yes. And you see, he is blessed. We just read it. But now notice here, Satan says to the Lord in verse 9, Does Job fear God for naught? Verse 10. Now watch this. Look at the observation that the devil had about Job. Has not thou, the devil's talking to God here, he says, has not thou made a hedge about him? That's a blessing, isn't it? To have a hedge of protection around you. And about his house and about all that he has on every side, you have blessed the work of his hands. Now that's something when the devil even knows you're blessed, isn't it? Yeah. And that's something that the devil... Uh, observed that God had blessed the work of Job's hands. Now, why did God bless Job? Because he was an upright man, and he feared God, and he shunned evil. And notice, it says here, and his substance is increased in the land. So you can see that, that the blessing of the Lord will bless you in every area of your life, and that's what happened with, with Job. Now, of course, you understand that Job did some hard times, didn't he? And, and as you study it out, uh, it, it, all the, 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 the turmoil that came into Job's life, and I'm not going to get into all the reasons behind it, uh, one thing I will tell you is that God did allow the devil to attack Job. God did allow that. And, and the reason I think God allowed that is because I believe God wanted to show the devil that God had a man named Job that will serve the Lord whether he's blessed or not. Did you know there's a lot of people only want to serve the Lord if the blessings are flowing, but when, when times get tough, they don't want to serve the Lord necessarily anymore. But Job was a man that would serve God no matter what. Remember, he made the statement when he was going through, it was really about nine months to a year of, of all the, the turmoil that Job went through. And he made the statement, and he said this when he was going through all the, the tough stuff. He said, though God slay me, and we know God wasn't slain, and it was the devil doing it, God allowed it, but he said this. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Though, he slay, though God slay me, we know God wasn't slain, Job, but though he slay me, yet will I trust him. You see, that's a man that's going to be blessed by the Lord. Because he's serving God because he loves God, not for the blessing. Do you get that? Do you see that? And, uh, and, and, and so that's the reason I believe that Job went through the, the tough stuff he went through. Now, much could be said about it. But notice, he lost, basically, he lost it all. He lost it all. 
And uh, he lost his children. My gosh, think about that. He lost, he lost his, his possessions. He lost his health. The only thing he didn't lose from my study of it, of it was his uh, nagging wife. <laughs> the devil didn't keep that. The devil didn't want her. <laughs> but look, let's look at the end of Job, and, and let's see something here. Job 42, verse 10. Notice here, the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends, also, watch this, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. That's a whole lot, isn't it? Yes. Do you see the nature of God right here? He, he's a blesser. Look at verse 12. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than the beginning. You see, God's a blesser. He's a blesser, he's a blesser, he's a blesser. I think that the question we have to ask ourselves, uh, uh, based on what I just said, is if all the blessings of God were removed from you, would you continue to still serve Him? I believe you would. I believe you would. I'd like to think I would. But the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than the beginning, and then it lists the things that God gave him. And then verse 16. He lived 140, after this, he lived another 140 years, saw his sons, 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 four generations down. Isn't that something? And notice he died being old and what? Full of days. So you see the nature of the Lord, don't you? He's a blesser, isn't he? He's a blesser. He's a blesser, he's a blesser, he's a blesser. Now, so anyway, I just wanted to get Job in so, so we, we, we have it here. And, and you see the nature of God. Now, go to Genesis 25, because, of course, we noticed last week and studied the blessing of Abraham a little bit. Just kind of hit the highlights of it. We, we could spend weeks on the blessing of Abraham. But remember, Abraham had a son with his wife, Sarah, and his name was Isaac. Remember that? And uh, we noticed that Abraham was blessed. <clears throat> He was blessed in, in every area. But then his son, notice his son in Genesis 25, 11. It came to pass after the death of Abraham that God, what did God do to his son Isaac? Bless him. He blessed his son Isaac. And then if you look at Genesis 26, verse 12, just, and we could spend the whole, we could spend months just on Isaac, but it just couple of verses here, Genesis 26, 12. Then Isaac sowed in the land and received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord what? Blessed him. You see that God blessed him. And the man waxed great. That means he became great. It doesn't mean he waxed because he was a great waxer of his power. And don't you love the King James Version? He waxed great and went forward and grew until, the, until he became very great. For he had possession of flocks, possession of herds, uh, and great store of servants. And notice this. You see the blessing there, but then notice something else. God wants to bless you to the point that, notice what happened here, that somebody envied him. Who envied Isaac? Philistines. The Philistines. Those, those people were tied to the devil. And see, God wants you to be so blessed that the, that the people of the world will look at you and envy you. That's, that's, that's what God, that's the kind of blessing God wants you to walk in. 
that the people of the world could look at you and envy you. That, see, that's, that's who God is. He, you know, he gets no happiness out of us being broke, busted, and disgusted, you know. He wants us to be blessed in every area and to the point that it makes the, uh, it makes the devil jealous, you see. And then uh, we'll move now to Isaac. He had, remember Isaac had twin sons. They were fraternal twins. Does anybody remember their names? Um, um, Jacob. Jacob and Esau. Does anybody remember which one was born first? Esau. Esau. And, uh, and he was born first. And does anybody remember what Jacob was doing to Esau as they were born? Esau comes out first, and Jacob was doing something to Esau. Does anybody he remember? His heel. He was holding his heel, okay? And now we're going to need to remember that here in a few moments. Now, Jacob's name, let's talk about Jacob just a little bit. His name means seizing by the heel. That's one of the meanings of his name. It also means supplanter, supplanter, S-U-P-P-L-A-N-T-E-R, supplanter, which means wrongfully taking the place of another or wrongfully taking what belongs to somebody else. It also means a schemer, a trickster, a swindler. Has anybody ever been a, met a schemester, a trickster, or a swindler? Well, that's what Jacob's name meant. And that's what he was. He was a, 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 a schemer, a trickster, a swindler. And remember, Esau was born first, but Jacob obtained the birthright from Esau. Remember, Esau came in from working in the field, and he had, he had the birthright because he was the firstborn. And all this, we're talking about the blessing of Abraham now. Abraham, and then Isaac, and now it goes to Esau, correct? Yes. Now, when we're talking about the blessing of Abraham, maybe, maybe folks don't really realize it as they should. But uh, somebody named for me one of the richest people in the, in the, in the world. Does anybody know somebody that's... You know, love somebody that's really rich. Warren Buffett. Bill Gates. Donald Trump. Who? Okay. George Soros. Okay. that guy that runs Amazon? He's doing all right. Now, when we talk about the blessing of Abraham, you know, that's a little vague, I think, to most folks. But just think, now really try to think about this. If you were the heir of one of these multi-billionaires, try to think about that. I mean, that'd be a good deal, wouldn't it? I mean, would that be something to be valued? I mean, to, to, to know that one day you're going to get built, not millions, but billions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? Well, when you talk about the blessing of Abraham, that's what you're talking about. Multiply billions of dollars. And not only that, but there was something greater than the money. It was the spiritual blessing that Abraham had. Okay? 
So, so, so when we talk about the, the blessing of Abraham, we're talking about this great spiritual blessing and, and financial blessing that moved to Isaac and not moved to Esau. Right? Are you with me? Talking about the blessing of the Lord. But Esau came in one day from working in the field or hunting or whatever it was. I guess he'd been out hunting. I don't know, but he comes in. From my study of it, he was, he was, he was tired and he was hungry. And Jacob was there, and he had a bowl of stew. And remember, Jacob is a trickster. And so he says, hey, I'll give you the... And Esau was hungry. He just wanted something to eat. And he said, I'll give you this bowl of stew if you'll give me your, your birthright. Now, is that, is that a fair exchange? No. No, but Esau... Now, you study the Bible. Esau did not value his birthright. You know, we need to esteem the things of the Lord. You know that? We need to esteem the things of God and the blessing of God. But uh, Esau did not esteem the blessing of the Lord, and he traded his birthright. He traded those multiplied billions of dollars, and more importantly, that spiritual blessing for a bowl of soup. You think about that. And, and, and so Jacob, that's the kind of person... He was. He would, he would do things like that. He would, that's not fair. Jacob wasn't operating in, 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 in a good conscience there of, of what, what one should do. But he did. And Esau made the deal, they cut the deal, and that was that. And, and then, if you also remember, uh, later on, when Isaac was going to, there was the birthright, and then the actual transfer of the blessing, when, when, the, when Isaac was going to transfer the blessing, uh, remember what happened? Jacob went out, and long story short, he disguised himself as Esau, yep. put the animal skins on him, because Esau was a hairy man, you know, and, and, and Jacob comes in there, and, and Isaac's vision wasn't that good, and so forth, and remember what happened? tricked Isaac, and he transferred the blessing on to Jacob. Well, when Esau realized all really what happened in all of that, he got very angry, and he wants to now kill Jacob. And so we're talking about the blessing of the Lord. So Jacob, he flees, he takes off, and he's gone for some 20 years to his uncle Laban's house. And in that time, he had that incident with the ladder. Remember Jacob's ladder where he saw the angels ascending and descending. And God, you could see the blessing of God there. But when he was at Laban's house, Laban tricked Jacob much like Jacob had tricked Esau and Isaac. Do you know you will reap what you sow? Yes. May not, may not reap it today, tomorrow, the next day, or the next week, or next month, but eventually you'll reap it. And remember... Jacob wound up working seven years to get Rachel. And, uh, but then Laban tricked him, and he said, well, I didn't say which daughter I was going to give you. And so he gets uh, Leah. And if you look up the meaning of her name, I think it means cow eyes. <laughs> so, you know, uh, Jacob wasn't too happy about that. So then he worked another seven years, and then he got Rachel. But during that time, Laban cut his pay like 10 different times. But even in the midst of that, you could see the prosperity of God upon him. 
And when he left Laban some 20 years later, uh, it's interesting what Laban said about Jacob. Even though Jacob was a trickster and all of that, you can still see the blessing of the Lord uh, on him. And uh, it's interesting, Laban made a statement and he said, the Lord has favored me with blessing on Jacob's account. And this is something you need to realize that when somebody has the blessing of the Lord on them, when someone has the blessing of the Lord on them, that, that God will bless other people who get around people that have the blessing of the Lord on them. You need to realize that. And you see that again and, and again in Scripture. And so God blessed Laban just because Jacob was, was there with him. And uh, you see that, remember the Ark of the Covenant? How many of you remember the Ark of the Covenant? Remember uh, when it went into Obed-Edom's house for the three months? God blessed Obed-Edom's house just because the presence of God was there. So you see, uh, even though Jacob was a trickster, he still had the blessing of the Lord on him. And, and, and at the end of his time with Laban, uh, you know, Laban says, well, Lord, the Lord is blessing. You look at Laban, Laban was... From my study of it, he, he practiced some divination and things like that. And wasn't good stuff, but God blessed Laban just because Jacob was there. And uh, But anyway, at the end of that 20 years, uh, as Jacob, now he's going to go back and he's going to reconcile with Esau. So that's a good thing, isn't it? Because he had tricked him and he's going to go reconcile with Esau. And it's interesting and this is what I'm trying to get to here, is, is he, he apparently he has a dream at, at night, and he has a wrestling match with the angel of the Lord. And this angel of the Lord actually, as you study it, is actually God himself. Okay, God is not an angel, but sometimes the Bible mentions him as an angel with a capital A. And so uh, some argue that he had this wrestling match. It wasn't God. It was just an angel of the Lord. But in either case, I, I personally believe he had this wrestling match with God. How, how would you like to have a wrestling match with God? I mean, that'd be something. You know. and, and, and they wrestled all night. You know, there's a lot of folk wrestle with God about a lot of different things. Now, you need to think about this. I'll guarantee it to you, everybody in here, you've wrestled with the Lord over something in your life, or maybe multiple things in your life. Come on now. Yeah. Yes. There's probably people watching on Facebook or whatever that you, you've wrestled with things. Just like Jacob wrestled with the Lord, you've wrestled with, with God over things. Has anybody ever wrestled with the Lord over things besides me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. yes. And it's interesting... That as they're wrestling, Jacob says to the Lord, I won't let you go until you bless me. Now, of course, in the New Testament, we don't have to say that because in Christ we're already blessed. Is that right? Yeah, but, but, of course, he says, I won't let you go until you bless me. Now, Jacob, I believe, was a saved man all along. I don't think there's any question about that. But I believe he was troubled within, on the inside, for the things that he had done to his brother and his father. I, I, just, I just think as I study his life, that his conscience bothered him as years went on. And, uh, and he was troubled within for the things he had done to his brother and the things that he had done to his father. And, 
hasn't anybody in here maybe not done things that you should have done over the years yes. that tend to bother you maybe yeah. with family members or others or whatever the case and uh, but, but beyond all that I believe Jacob was struggling with his identity I believe he was struggling with his identity and I believe that he was wrestling with the Lord more than anything else over his identity. Remember who he, he was? He was a what? He was a trickster. He was a schemester. Is that right? Yeah. And it's interesting. I said all that I said about Jacob to get to this. Finally, the angels, I believe, was God, asked Jacob his name. Now, of course, God knew his name. But God asked him, he said, what is your name? Now, I believe this was akin to, remember, after Adam had sinned and Eve had sinned in the Garden of Eden, and God came down, you know, to walk with him like he had done on a regular basis. And he said, he said to Adam and Eve, he said, where are you? Now, God knew where they were. He didn't ask them that question. Because he didn't know where they were. And he asked them that question to get them to think. Where, where are they? They had sinned. They're running from the Lord. I believe God asked Jacob this question. He said, uh, what's your name? Because I believe that Jacob was struggling with his identity. And with, with who he was. And, and what he had done. So I believe he was asked that question not... Because God didn't know the answer. God knew the answer, but I believe he wanted him to confront who he really was. You know, there comes a time in all of our lives where we need to confront who we really are and what we really stand for. And it's interesting, uh, the answer in Genesis 32, verse 27, I want to read this in the Amplified Classic. It says, the man asked him, and this is the Lord as you study in it. The Lord asked Jacob, what is your name? And in shock of realization, whispering, but you can see he's still ashamed really of who he is, but now he's finally going to admit it to the Lord. And whispering, he said, Jacob. But when he said Jacob, what he was really saying, and you can see it here in the Amplified, he, he confesses to God. He says, I'm a supplanter. I'm a schemer. I'm a trickster. I'm a swindler. And you know, I believe when we get to a point with God when we can go before him and actually admit to him who we are, I believe that that is a point of breakthrough for everyone. It's kind of like I say this humorously. If you ever watched Dennis the Menace, the new one that came out some years ago with Christopher Lloyd, you know, he, uh, I was thinking about him. He, you know who Christopher Lloyd is. He was a guy in Back to the Future. He, uh, Dennis, I was thinking about Dennis, had him tied up there under that bridge near the end of the movie, and he was feeding him those beans. I don't know if you remember that. He was feeding those, him those beans, and, and somehow, <laughs> somehow or another, Christopher Lloyd gets loose, and Dennis asked him, who, who in the world, Mr. Who in the world are you? 
Christopher Lord was just to the point he couldn't take Dennis anymore, and he looks at him with that knife in his hand or whatever, and he says, I'm a thief. Well, you know what? That's what Jacob did. That's what Jacob did with God. He said, I'm a thief. I'm a swindler. I'm a trickster. I'm a schemer. And I believe that when Jacob did that, I believe it set him free from a whole lot of things. I know something I've had to deal with in my life over the last 25 years is I've always been the pastor of a small church. I've always pastored a small church. And I remember early on, you know, people would come to me and, you know, you go out to different pastors' meetings and they'll start asking, how many are you running? How many are you running? How many people you got? How many people you got? And you, and you never want to answer that question. You always avoid it somehow or another. It's usually the people with the big churches that are asking the pastors, you know, they're the ones asking, how many people do you got? Now, why are they asking? Why do you think they're asking? Why do you think they want to know how many people you have in the church? Because they got a big church, is that right? Right. And this is something I had to deal with over, over the years, and I would early on, and, and even as we moved into this building, and I'd have to listen to people would say, well, I just go to that little summit church over there. I just go to that little, that little church, that little, it's just a little old church. I just go to that little church, and it's something I had to deal with in, in my identity. The pastor of a small church. And, uh, and and I avoided it. I avoided it. And uh, I remember back years ago when people would say, well, how many people do you have? And I, you know, you know, well, it's just a small church. And church members, so it's just a small church. It's just a small church. And I always try to justify it somehow. Well, the average size church, you know, is 100 people and all that. Do you understand? Now, don't sit out there and look at me like that. Don't look at me like that in the, in out there in the Facebook world. We all have things in our life that we just assume not talk about. Right. 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 Is that right? Yes. yes. But, you know, at a certain point, I got to where I can look at you all. I can look at everybody right here in the eye, and I can look at whoever's watching. Hey, everybody, I pastor a small church. <laughs> and don't bother me. And where I really got over it is, is I had to look at the people that come here, that do come here. You all are valuable and precious to God. And so I'm valuable, valuable and precious to God in that he allows me to minister to you. Amen. Do you understand that? Yes. And so we all have these things where we come to in our life where we have to eventually go before God. If we really want to get free, we have to go before the Lord and admit. Okay? He said, I, I admit it. You know, I'm a supplanter, I'm a schemer, I'm a trickster, I'm a swindler. What is it that you are? You know, I get to stand up here and confess my stuff, but what is it that you are? What is it that you are out there on Facebook? Are you a swindler? Are you a liar? Are you a gossip? You talk bad about your pastor behind his back? I mean, I don't know. 
But if we really want to get free of these, some of these things that we struggle with, that we wrestle with, see, that we wrestle with, we're going to have to get real honest before God. Can anybody say amen? What's your name? He said, I'm a swindler. I'm a thief. And notice in verse 28. And he said, your name shall no more be called Jacob. Guess what God did? When, ja when Jacob finally said, I'm a thief. Guess what? God changed his name. I believe that if he hadn't been able to be honest with the Lord and just, okay, this is what I am. I don't believe God would have changed his name. But he was honest. He said, okay, this is what I am. And then God changes his name from Jacob to Israel, which means contender. See, now God made him a contender with God, and it also means prince of God. Think about it. This man, he's honest with the Lord, and his name is changed from swindler and all that over to contender with God. And it also means prince of God. That's a pretty good change, isn't it? He says, you contended and have power with God and with men and have prevailed. See, it took him getting to a point where he could be honest even with the Lord and himself. And now he's a purveyor. Now he's a purveyor. A purveyor. That's, that's very powerful to me. You see, when he obtained the realization of who he really was and confessed it to God, God made him a contender, a prince, and a breakthrough moment occurred, and Jacob prevailed, and now he could call himself as God saw him. He didn't have to be Jacob anymore. Now he could be Israel. That's a pretty good name to have, isn't it? Yes. And then, you know, as I close here in the last minutes I have, if you go to Genesis 49, there's much more we could say. But I want to notice in the blessing in the way he died. You know there's a blessing to live and there's also a blessing to die. Doesn't the Bible say there's a time to live, there's a time to, and then there's a time to die, right? I like the way he died. I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. You see the blessing of God on him here. And there's much more we can say about his life and so forth. But notice, when he did die, he finished his, because he had blessed his sons. Right before he died, he blessed his sons. And then Jacob had finished, when he finished his charge of his sons, now watch this. This is, this is the way to die, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. He drew his feet into the bed, breathed his last, and joined his ancestors in death. Now that's when you're, when, when, when you go, that's the way you want to go. Yes. Yeah. Is that right? Yes. So Jacob was like all of us, he was flawed. But listen to this as I close. This is, this is what I want to close with. Remember his name? We talked about his name, but it also meant to grab something, to grab the, to grab the heel. Jacob, now listen to this, and we'll close. Jacob was like all of us. He was flawed. But he had the good sense to grab the heel. You see, that was the heel of his, the, the heel of the firstborn, right? Yes. 
Jacob had no right in himself to the blessing. He had no right to the inheritance, but he took hold of the heel of the one who did. And even though he did it by unscrupulous means, look past that for just a moment and see the symbolism here. He had no right, he was flawed, he had no right in himself to the blessing or the inheritance, but he, but he had the sense enough to take hold of the heel of the one who did. You see, we had no right to the blessing and to the inheritance of God. But when we took hold of the bruised heel of Jesus, our brother, the Bible calls him, as he was crucified. Notice if you would Genesis 3.15. Look at how powerful this is. Genesis 3.15. Remember after Adam sinned? Remember that? He had an Eve sinned and, and God came in the garden and notice he says something to the serpent here in Genesis 3.15. He says, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. Now her seed was talking about the virgin birth. Her seed was talking about Jesus. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise what? His heel. His heel. You see, you see his heel. You see, when Jesus' heel was bruised, that's when he was hanging on the cross, you see, for you and for me. And so we had no right to the blessing, just like Jacob had no right in himself to the blessing, to the inheritance, but he took hold of the heel of the one who did, right? We had no right to the blessing and inheritance of God, but, you see, we, when we take hold of the heel of the one who has the blessing, who is Jesus, when his heel was bruised, see the symbolism here as he dies on the cross, when we grab a hold of his, his bruised heel, when we, that means when we grab a hold of Jesus and him crucified, you know the Bible calls him the firstborn among many brethren, does it not? Just like Esau was the firstborn, well, Jesus is the firstborn. And when we, with all of our flaws, with no right to the inheritance of God and all of that, when we have good sense to grab a hold of Jesus' bruised heel, when we have the sense enough to grab hold of what he did for us at Calvary, and, 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 and he's the firstborn among many brethren, see, when we do that, the blessing of God is transferred to us just like it was transferred to Jacob. Can you say amen to that? It's very interesting, and, and it's, remember, and I'm not going to read it, you can read it if you want to take the time in the book of Genesis, but right at the end of Jacob's life, his name is changed to Israel, he's blessing his sons, and Joseph, Joseph brings his two sons, which would be Isaac, uh, 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 Jacob's grandsons before, now listen to this, this is really cool. Jacob or Israel is about to die. He's going to pull his feet into the bed and die here in just a few moments. We just read about that. But Joseph brings his two sons, because Joseph was the son of Israel. You know Joseph, the coat of many colors. We're going to talk about him next week, so. But he brings his two sons up before, before Isaac. Jacob or Isaac. Gosh, why did I say Isaac? Israel. Let's get it now. Abraham, then what? Isaac, and then what? Israel. 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 Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Israel. All right, now this is really good. I want to get this. The eyes are throwing out. So, so we got Jacob there. Israel is about to die. Joseph, who's one of Israel's sons, 
brings his two sons up before, before Israel. So they'd be his grandsons. One of their, their names was Ephraim. The other's name was Manasseh. Ephraim was the oldest, and Manasseh was the, the, the next. Okay? Are you with me? And so, so, so it's interesting, as, as, as Israel was there, Joseph puts his firstborn, remember Jesus is the firstborn of many, but watch it. Joseph puts his firstborn where, where, where Israel's right hand would go, that signified that right hand, the transfer of the blessing, okay? And then he put Manasseh over on the other side where, where uh, Israel would lay his left hand, okay? You with me? You understand it? Okay? So when Israel goes to lay his hands on the two grandsons, the sons of Joseph, his grandsons, he switches his hands. And Joseph says, wait a minute, wait a minute, Dad, hold on here, you got that wrong. And he said, no, he said, I know what I'm doing. He switches his hands. And so the blessing, see the blessing that would have went to the, Jesus is the firstborn, the blessing that would have went to the firstborn was switched. And isn't it just the same with us, you see, as uh, Jesus is the firstborn, he is, the Bible calls him our brethren, our brother, right? And Jesus is to get all the blessing, is that right? And there we stand, we're going to, Jesus is going to get the right hand, we, we get the left hand to curse, he gets the right hand to the great blessing of God, but guess what happens, guess what God does as he goes, just think about this symbolism, it's powerful. What does God do? He, he switches and, and the blessing that was supposed to go to Jesus, now watch what happens, and the curse that was supposed to go to us, God switches it, and God puts the, remember Christ was made a curse for us on the cross, and so that curse that was supposed to go to us, God transfers that on Jesus, that curse, and in so doing, when God switches his hands, the curse that was yours and mine goes to Jesus, and the blessing that was Jesus's goes to us, can you say amen? Amen. Yeah. powerful, isn't it? We're talking about the blessing of the Lord. Stand with me if you would. I trust his blessing in some way. And I finished in an hour, so that's good. Hey, I'm going to leave you with this. Remember the Lord directed me to close with the priestly blessing. So just raise your hands to the Lord. Or if you don't want to raise your hands to the Lord, just, just stand there with your head bowed. And I'm going to close by just giving you the priestly blessing. That's what the Lord told me to do during these sessions. And then we'll be dismissed. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name. Jesus. All right, we're dismissed. Amen. We'll see you next time.